and welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host, be it a Tuesday, a Wednesday, far in the future or back in the past. Um, and speaking of back in the past, um, last year um, I was joined by a man who um, he had... Um, he had a bit of mystical stuff going on. You, you could say he had a mystical machine. You could say he actually had a machina arcana. And, and we had a chat and uh, we've been having a chat on and off ever since. And so we decided it was time to get this gentleman back on. Um, this gentleman is Mr. Billich, Mr. Uriah Billich. Hello, sir. How are you? Good evening, Richard. And thank you for bringing <laughs> me back for another episode <laughs> <laughs> oh my days um this is you doing your um movie voice because <laughs> you've got a cold yeah my avengers and I've got, voice uh, and i've got a cold so we could do like a start we could do like uh you could actually read the travel the unknown face the horrors and survive the story <laughs> an immersive and dark experience awaits you and your group of explorers and um, enjoy the new transformers how they assemble and rule the universe <laughs> are you meant to be megatron are you meant to be optimus prime we must protect well, the humans i'm a at all costs. personality so based on <laughs> how i feel I, I i just swap between them it could be either. It's just could uh, be either. sickness. Could be either. Yeah, it's just sickness coming and uh, <laughs> speaking through me. So I don't have any control of that. Oh, my dear. Oh, my dear. Right. So um, way back in September, um, Machina was so Organa long. was on Kickstarter. It was. It feels like it feels like a long time ago. Oh, when yeah. You actually think about it. It was only about, what, three months ago? Hmm. Well, a little bit more, so, was it? Yeah, well... <laughs> we started at, in September mm. and uh, it was like 23 days uh, the campaign lasted and it felt like ages ago because a lot of things uh, just keep happening in the interim. So the time, just time dilation is just awesome thing. Because you ended up on what, £330,000 as far mm. as kind of like the... the no, the, you're, you're strange... Like, your strange currency. I'm. I'm not <laughs> using pounds and stones. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, are you using stones? You, uh, you really? No. Just pounds and pennies. Not pounds and stones. <laughs> pounds and stones <laughs> is how we do weight. This is the UK. The imperial system is that you know, there's still people that use kilograms, but there's still people that use kind of pounds and stones when they're measuring things because it's one of these things. Is if I get on a weighing scale. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if I go in a weighing scale and I say, "Well, I'm 15 stone," mm-hmm. that's not that bad. But if I get in a weighing scale and it says I'm like 80 kilograms, I think that makes me kind of cry a bit. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I'm a bit, you know. So 15's fine, but mm-hmm. 80, I'm just like, oh no, this is like, this is not, a, this is not a good place to kind of, kind of be in. Were you, um, were you pleased with the end result? I mean with the actual final funding time. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, quite uh, quite a strange number. I didn't expect that, to be honest. Uh, although, mm. uh, based on uh, on just the amount of work and uh, with just all the professionals that I work with and uh, mm-hmm. in uh, bringing the project to, to, the, uh, the, to the level of quality that we really envisioned it, 
I am then not uh, surprised. Uh, so it, it's uh, a yes and no, to be honest, because uh, we put a lot of even money and effort and time, and we've uh, spent years uh, in order to hone the project. So in that regard, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a quality project, and we stand behind that. But it's Kickstarter, and you never know how things are going to turn out. Even though we had a first Kickstarter in 2013 and it was mm -hmm. quite mm -hmm. successful at that time, it was almost $150,000. I'm not yeah. sure how, how much that in pounds, about 110, something about that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, 120, yeah, 110, 120, yeah. True, yeah. And uh, even though we had a lot of returning backers, uh, we still didn't know. We were treading in unknown territory. So all in all, it was a very, very good project for us. Did you, um, in terms of advertising and getting the name out there, did you spend money on kind of marketing and advertising to kind of help get the name out there? Or, I mean, do you, I take it, did, have you done any kind of post-mortem on tracking kind of where, where the interest kind of came from? Whether, and we obviously there'll be part of it, which will be previous backers. I do remember seeing you guys kind of crop up again and again on like Facebook. So were you doing kind of adverts on different platforms when you advertised? Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, it's all about marketing, especially in Kickstarter, mm -hmm. <laughs> wherever you're pushing a new product, you know, uh, the, the market needs to uh, respond to it. And if you just, you know, if you build it, it's not going to come. So you need to, to be out there and, uh, mm -hmm. You can be out there in many ways. A lot of people, a lot of game game designers are just out there physically to conventions, uh, to all the other like cafes and uh, board game, uh, how, how do you call it, like board game parlors where people yeah, just yeah. gather gather around and, and play. So that that's one way that you can really be there. Another way just to spend a shitload of money. So each, each one has its own uh, bonuses and uh, ups and downs, like pros and cons. In my, uh, in my situation, uh, I tried mainly to, to focus on Essen Spiel and uh, on uh, Facebook advertising. So that's the, the, biggest, the, the biggest bulk <coughs> sorry, of the marketing for Machina Arcana. Mm-hmm. Uh, just mm -hmm. uh, also just to expand on that, uh, I've done the research in uh, like spending for YouTube, uh, for Twitter, uh, for Board Game Geek, and all the other stuff. Well, uh, it the the profit margin is not as good as with Facebook. Facebook really reigns in that. But also just uh, to, to put an additional. Uh, thing in that uh, we also used uh, a couple of uh, you know some some kind of a banners that you can pay yeah. and that they are then present on a lot of different gaming sites uh, banners mm -hmm. and uh, like advertisers we contacted them directly I'm not sure uh, what's the impact on that because I don't see their report their impression their click-through rates but I guess it's it's minimal, but even though, I mean, it's something. Do you not think it's kind of like exposure? I mean, if you go onto a Facebook group 
and the first thing you usually go on to is you'll see the banner at the top. So if people are seeing the name, the familiarity, if they see something again and again and again, then people kind of start to talk about it as kind of like, oh, I've I've heard of that actually, and I'll I'll maybe go ahead and kind of kind of check it out because I mean, let's face it, I mean even going from one hundred and fifty thousand dollars up to you know where you ended up this time, that's that's you know that's a huge a huge jump. I mean, a lot of the campaigns I've seen will go up by you know fifty thousand. 70,000, you know, if, if, you know, if it's a similar, you know, almost like a, a second edition of a game. I saw it with them, um, City of Kings, when they released their kind of second print run of the game. Gloomhaven again is another one where there was a, you know, reasonable, reasonable chunk. But I mean, doubling your money, I mean, that was a, that was a pretty uh-huh. decent, <laughs> that was a pretty decent kind of, kind of upload. Did it, um, did that affect the scope of what was going to happen with production? Did you have to reconsider the kind of like the production schedule and what you were going to do in relation to the components? Because obviously, when you hit those levels of funding, then you're into kind of such bigger levels in terms of kind of like the stretch goals. Um, I mean, did you did you have to kind of rethink the production plan kind of going forward? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, not just the production plan, but uh, uh, considering we hit our all of our stretch goals uh, quite fast, mm-hmm. <coughs> uh, we did uh, uh, we did some kind of a, a new concept that's called like extra goals, and uh, you mm-hmm. couldn't uh, pledge for them during the campaign. But you could after the after the pledge manager uh, was opened after the campaign ended. So in that way, uh, I've uh, I've put a lot of buffer time buffer in order to consolidate all of our uh, strategic uh, aspects like uh, distribution and production and to offer the best possible prices, but not to any way in any way endanger uh, the the timeline that we had. So with uh, with those extra goals, uh, we offered additional like components products that you can buy uh, during the, for the pledge manager, uh, but they were not gonna impede with our production costs because most of them are gonna be produced with another set of uh, with another manufacturer. For example, the book is gonna be produced in Europe, then the, mm-hmm. the game ads as well, and. Uh, so mm-hmm. in that way, uh, we've alleviated the problem of just waiting for <coughs> for more waiting time, uh, but also to offer more products to the backers. Did that, um, with you offering the kind of the products after, you know, the additional kind of extras in the pledge manager, did that allow you to continue? Did it give you a reason to continue to communicate with the backers on like an ongoing basis, just to you know, to encourage them to come along, to encourage, encourage them to kind of have a look at the pledge manager. Because I know for a lot of people, they'll either I think they fall into a couple of camps. You'll get people who will, as soon as they get the link to the pledge manager, they'll be going straight in, and they'll pay whatever the additional shipping is or whatever extras they want, and then they'll disappear. 
or you get ones that they wait until they've kind of had the, <laughs> they've <laughs> almost had the, the threatening email to say that their pledge is being cancelled before they kind of take action. Did this, with you running the kind of the extra, did it give you an excuse to kind of have more communication with the backers to kind of keep engaging with them? Uh, maybe. Uh, I don't know really because, you know, that's just one. Uh, I don't have a control group uh, because there's just mm-hmm. one uh, one campaign and one pledge manager. And, and mm-hmm. the, But uh, our communication is still uh, a constant on uh, almost day-to-day basis. And especially because uh, the, that's such a big number of backers because uh, there's always somebody with... Uh, with some kind of a questions, uh, mostly they come not just through comments, but also in the form of Kickstarter private messaging. So there's a lot of communication mm-hmm. on, on a constant basis, and uh, even the updates <coughs> quite quite often. So in that regard, I really like uh, uh, the engagement from everyone in, involved. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, well, and it's normal that the creator is not, pushing updates every week because sometimes mm-hmm. like in my case like this previous week it's it was quite uneventful we were just uh, finishing up with the content and the the chinese manufacturer was uh, still in the works of uh, producing the prototype mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that yeah yeah mm-hmm. and in terms of you mentioned the kind of the prototype um have you, I mean, have you had kind of like the finished copy then? Have you been able to kind of play that yourself or play around with that yourself now? Oh, not yet. Uh, we hoped actually that they would uh, give us the prototype uh, soon before the Chinese New Year. <coughs> mm-hmm. But we failed to meet that deadline. Uh, right. There were some uh, uh, health issues, but also uh, I wouldn't say problems, more like challenges. Uh, uh, like ping pong between uh, requirements and uh, and the specifications, uh, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's always a, a challenge to work uh, with uh, Chinese manufacturers uh, in terms of uh, like just the communication. If you send them an email during the normal afternoon hours, you're gonna get the response uh, another on another day, and then mm-hmm. uh, you will respond them back and it's just uh, it takes a little bit more time uh, so yeah we really hoped to push uh, our timelines even earlier than before and we would uh, do that if we would receive the prototype uh, like now before the Chinese New Year but mm-hmm. no we're gonna receive it in, uh, before the I think in beginning of March so this still yeah. puts us in the same timeline but yeah, we hoped, but we didn't make it. Was that slightly frustrating to not have be able to see the kind of your your baby kind of sitting out in front of you to kind of fully experience it for the first time? Oh, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, but they've sent us some pictures, and I think it was uh, yeah, in the Friday. So I'll definitely mm. uh, post the project update on Monday and just share with mm-hmm. the backers. I think you are now the first one. Who knows about the, our prototype timelines and everything? All right, okay, okay, okay. In terms of the pledge manager, um, I mean, I think one of the reasons that sparked off Kenny, you coming back on the show was 
um, when the pledge manager was going to be kind of closing for the additionals and extras. Is that still the case? Are you still looking at closing it? Is it next week? Mm-hmm. You're looking at closing it down now, yeah? yeah so yeah. looking at like Tuesday or something like that, yeah? It's an 8th of, of February, so I think. All right. Mm, it's Friday or something. Next, next Friday. Friday. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm, yeah, okay. it is. Yeah. Has, um, I mean, is it based on the way that the kind of the extras has been received? Is that the way that you're going to continue kind of going forward with kind of any future campaigns for games you're going to be releasing? Are you going to look at kind of having these extras in every campaign that you run on from now on? Huh. Interesting question. Maybe, maybe, uh, because I have a very uh, pleasant experience with the, the pledge manager. I'm using a backer kit. Uh, before, mm-hmm. uh, before my uh, just uh, decision uh, to do that, I was really on the on the verge of using Crowdocs. They seemed also quite okay, and uh, I was in good communication with them. But in the end, uh, backer kit uh, won, won especially. Uh, just to, to be honest, uh, they had a very interesting also marketing uh, marketing plans, marketing strategy that yeah. uh, that I really like. And uh, just for the sake of uh, Pledge Manager, uh, first of all, uh, congratulations on your campaign. I know that you're like, <laughs> yeah, really, like 300% uh, uh, of your initial goal. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was um, it was a it shock. Was a shock. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shock. And I'm still um, yeah, I'm still kind of getting used to the getting used to the idea. I've actually um, I've decided to be super organised and kind of get. I mean, it's obviously it's different from producing a game to kind of sending out some kind of thank you items. But um, for those who are listening, the um, the linen finish. Mm-hmm. Um, is is was an unlocked kind of jokey stretch goal that I put in there, but there will definitely be something of a linen finish for everybody who backed um, at the uh, at the custard cream level. So I was quite. I had an epiphany. I had a um, lightning struck my brain, and I had I had a moment. And I thought, ah, I could do this. So I've done that. But yeah, it's. Um, it's interesting kind of seeing it from from the other side and it's um it's kind of interesting you move from being um and I can see why this kind of burns a lot of people's brains as you move from being somebody who's trying to push marketing and to push a noise and then you move into kind of data management and logistics because because um I guess unless you're using like say like Backerkit or Crowdox the raw data that you get itself from Kickstarter isn't the easiest to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you you try and be clever and you put a lot of um, questions into the... I mean, obviously you're different because you're using a pledge manager, but I was sending out the backer surveys were going out through Kickstarter themselves. And I thought, well, how will I do this and how will I do that? And it's interesting to see how different questions, how they get interpreted so Uh (laughs) kind of like Uh do you want this yes and if you do want this how do you want it and it's like putting in two or three if you put two or three questions in and if you get a slightly different answer from what you expected you're like well what do they mean (laughs) what have i done something wrong kind of thing so it's kind of interesting you move in kind of like a data management thing and then obviously the next thing i'm looking at is postage you know how do i get how do I get the rewards out to 
out to people. Um, the one thing I've seen about, um, I think both backer kit and crowdox is it seems to be the case that when you um, when you sign up to use their services nowadays, they're actually offering. It's almost like marketing during the Kickstarter campaign as well. They seem to be taking the clients that they have that they're supporting and putting their campaigns out in a in kind of like a newsletter as well. Um, uh-huh. Was yeah. that something that Backerkit offered you at the time, or were you were you too far down the line for it to be a consideration? No, no, no. Uh, they offered that, and uh, yeah, I took that opportunity. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but uh, are you using a pledge manager? No, not at all. Everything. No. Uh, maybe the next. I think maybe the next one. I think the next one is going to be. Um, I think of. I'm not going to go. I, I kind of. I was thinking about you know when it's like you put together the Kickstarter for the show, and I was like, oh, I could do it next year, and I was like, well, this time next, I've got what I've got for the funding that I needed for, and I felt if I went back and unless I was offering something drastically different. I think it's really difficult for me to say, oh, guys, just keep kind of giving me money year in, year out for doing this. Whereas I think I'll probably, if I'm doing something next, I think we are going to be doing a game. Um, there's actually going to be probably start off on a something. So, yeah, I think that's going to be the next thing. So the next, <laughs> I think the next Kickstarter we're going to be running is going to be actually for some kind of game as opposed to, for the show, you know, I think we'd, we. I'm very, very grateful for what we achieved in the Kickstarter campaign for the show. I'm kind of hesitant in going back to Kickstarter in twelve months' time and saying, "Okay, we need more money to keep the show going," kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds mm-hmm. like a strange thing, but I'd rather, I guess, yeah, um, offer something substantial, not just yeah, stretch my yeah, stretch stretch my muscles, kind mm-hmm. of thing, um, and say, "Okay." This is what we have to offer this time, and see what you know. See what happens, especially with the experience, because it was a valid. It was a valid. It was a valid kind of experience. Um, I mean, what about yourself? I mean, with this being such a successful campaign, has that brought the timetable forward for anything else that you've got on the kind of the table? Anything else that you're thinking of doing? In a way, yeah. Uh, first of all, it it was a ver- very busy interval. I'm yeah. still in it, uh, not just uh, for the Machine Arcana, but uh, just my day to day job. You know, I'm a software engineer, so uh, just yeah. ju- juggling all of that together. Uh, it's it's interesting. I like the pressure, uh, so that that's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, but in terms of uh, of the the Machine Arcana and just uh, the game design and uh, the projects. I also thought about that a lot, and uh, I think it's not about it's not about just money, you know, just about uh, pushing new expansions. Like uh, a lot of people would say, "Look, you have like a product that's successful. Now all you need to do is just push new expansions, and that's it. You know, you have a golden mm-hmm. cow." But I don't like that approach, and this actually gives me some kind of a freedom to move away from from the main Machina Arcana and just to build on something that's not related to that. And uh, this actually goes with a lot of risk involved because, uh, you know, I will go into uncharted territory with that. But it 
would fulfill me much more as a game designer than just to, to push uh, the, the products that are related to the game. Yeah, I mean, it's like um, I was speaking to, um, when I was speaking to Stephen Bonacore and he was talking about um, Alan Moon doing kind of like their game Aftershock and saying, you know, he did Ticket to Ride, and then that was him. He was kind of set up, and it's like what? It's like one of these things that you wonder if, if Alan Moon hadn't done Ticket to Ride, what kind of different games would we kind of have instead? You know, it's it's, it's kind of that kind of question, and you can see it sometimes with um, you. You do get people that get you know they do branch out into different types of design. I mean, obviously Richard Garfield. You know, after doing magic, uh-huh. yeah, I guess he could have sat down and just said, "Right, well, I'm just doing that, nothing else." But I guess he he went out and did a couple of other other games. Is that meant? I mean, for you, is that meant that you're able to look at something kind of completely different? Oh yeah. I mean, I mean are we? I mean, are we going to see? You know, are we going to see the kind of the the happy go lucky? Shiny puppy party game <laughs> from <laughs> you know from you <laughs> something yeah I would I would say that uh, there's some kind of a backbone of it already uh-huh. in place and it's quite strange because uh, it is something that I tried to do even before uh, before working on the, on my game uh, mm-hmm. but I didn't had a lot of experience then and uh, it's Oh, thank God that I didn't uh, went uh, with with these ideas in the beginning, uh, because uh, it it just wouldn't work then. Even with the Machinarcana, I did, did a second edition that had a lot of improvements, and uh, only with this edition I can just say that that's it. I've uh, uh, that's the game, that's the Machinarcana that I envisioned, but for. For the game that I had in mind, it it's too it was too complex and too big of a goal for me as mm. an unexperienced game designer to try to tackle. And it's not just game design; it does have a lot to do also with the production and uh, and just the experience with people. So not just game design. So how how does people react to games? What do they want? Uh, how is the like the normal session? Uh, with the, with the normal people, uh, how it's comprised of, what do people want from game. All of these yeah. Yeah. like small bits and details uh, just accumulated over time and uh, it gives me a much more perspective when I want to tackle the big one. Send that, that that's the big one is going to come soon and it's going to be a very strange game because... Uh, uh, just to give you a hint, so we all want to play some kind of a RPG, a video game, but without a computer <coughs> on a table with our friends, but uh, even on your own. A lot of those contradictory things that are just that we think is just uh, ingrained in in the medium of tabletop. Uh, there might be some uh, wiggle. Uh, wiggle space. Uh, I'm not sure how how do you call it, in order yeah, to yeah. to bring something some some new experience to the table. I think I have it. Maybe it was just the, the <laughs> stroke of, you know, uh, you know, when you have the the madness uh, just uh, pour into you, and you think you're on a good path, and uh, 
then yeah. when you calm down, you you realize that you make a fluke, made a fluke. I don't know. It's it's the enjoyment and it's passion, and if it drives me forward, that's all that I am interested in. I, I, be, I mean, but on the other side, is there going to be more expansions for Machina Arcana? Are you going to be kind of putting out the occasional additional content no, for that? No, kind of just going a very, well? very straightforward no. I don't think I would right, do no that right. before I create something completely new. <coughs> like, okay. if I fail and if I am uh, on a beggar's, uh, beggar's uh, uh, stick... <laughs> Then maybe I'll yeah. I'll do. Uh, oh, please help me out! I'm on the street. I'm, I've created a new expansion. <coughs> but other than that, I would like to to venture forth and uh, do some other things. Has it put you in a different mindset in terms of where you are in a career-wise? Has it put you in the situation where you can maybe think, well, um. Could this be something I'm doing full time? I mean, obviously, I appreciate you've got your career as a software engineer, um, and I'm guess obviously with this size of pro- with the size of project that you funded, um, you're going to use as much of that to kind of get the greatest game you can kind of out there to the backers. Um, but is that at the same time? Is that also can is that help pave the way for you to? move into at all into kind of game design is more of a career choice for you it's not just a career wise uh like a decision that's based uh, (coughs) that's going to impact the career but the life in general (coughs) because i've made some some decisions uh, well together with my wife of course uh Mm -hmm. that are going to be like life impacting as well like one one of that would be moving to a countryside so that's a really big big change and uh, it is in a way uh, based also on uh, on the project and on the success of Machina Arcana mm-hmm. because uh, it gives me some kind of a it, it puts some things in perspective like things that should be uh, quite important like What's your plans in general? Like, what's your long-term plan? What's important in life? And uh, how are you going to achieve that? What's important in life? And in that that kind of a retrospection of ourselves, mm-hmm. we've managed to come up with uh, with plans and with strategies that are going to completely not now well not completely but uh, but greatly change. <coughs> Sorry, it like change uh, how we live, and uh, not just career. Uh, even as a software engineer, I really enjoy my job, and and it's really fulfilling. And uh, like even working remotely would be possible. And uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, everything is uh, moving in a in a very good and healthy direction. And uh, I'm not sure if I see myself as uh, a game designer like a full time job. Uh, I think it, it's really beneficial if I uh, pursue that as a hobby, as a passion. If it's like a job, it it, it kind of loses its uh, its glare, its 
I'm not sure what to call it. it it's magic in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I yeah. can't just work like eight hours uh, to try to, to creatively create something extraordinary. I want to sometimes go into the forest and uh, spend the night there. And then uh, with a little bit of hypothermia, I realized, yeah, that's it, that's it. And I couldn't do that in, like, in the office. No, no. And I think um, at the same time, it's, it's strange because if you change it from being a hobby to then into a job, there's the additional pressure to necessarily make decisions that are good for the business as opposed because they're enjoyable. You know, it's like, for mm-hmm. instance, I mean, we, exactly. I, mean, I mean, you know, if, if I said to people, you know, I, and, um, if I said to people, oh, we would do, you know, we'd start doing kind of adverts for your Kickstarter at the beginning of the show, then that would, you know, it'd be one of these things that would be a case of, well, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to do that as a business decision as opposed to maybe something that might fit in with the, I guess, the kind of the how the show would work mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I think I see, I see, you know, I see people doing that and it's like hats off to them for, for doing that. And I'm, I'm kind of aware that I, I'm kind of worried. It's one of the strange things is there's part of me that would be love to be doing this kind of day on, day out. And that's all I would be doing would be speaking to people and creating content and having a, having a damn good time doing it let's face it because I really really love kind of doing this um, but there's also part of me that kind of likes to be able to I don't want this kind of completely taking over every aspect of my life because I do know of some people that work in the industry full time that um, that you seem to they just seem to that's all they do is that they just work in the industry full time to the point that it's almost like you can see them. It is a full job. Do they still enjoy it or are they in the situation where this is what they have to do because it's going to be difficult for them to, to move away and going back to doing something, something kind of different. Um, I mean, that, that be, sorry, you were going to say. Just thinking, uh, can I do a confession online, like, mm. uh, in your podcast? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the thing is that, uh, <coughs> I don't call myself a board gamer, and uh, uh, I am not a board gamer, and I don't see myself as part of like board game industry or, or whatever you call it. Because uh, mm-hmm. first of all, I'm not playing board games. Uh, like I have two small kids and a day-to-day job, and uh, and a project to fulfill. And uh, it's been busy in my life for for years now, and uh, I don't remember. The last time that I played uh, any board game at all, I mean, I remember a couple of years ago I played uh, with my uh, mom and wife, and uh, we played Pandemic, and <laughs> but that's it. So, uh, I, uh, the board game is uh, it's for me not just like an industry or something, or even uh, as a job. It's more like uh, it's a project. So I use a medium. <laughs> Sorry, like a board game medium to try to create uh, a game. Uh, it's currently like in board game medium, but uh, I don't limit myself in, in that regard. And 
even though I enjoy board games, uh, they are not the the main uh, the focus. Like uh, I see a lot of game designers that are really passionate about board games, and they're always yeah, talking yeah. about board games and playing with them. Yeah, and that's beautiful. I mean, that's uh, that's what I mean. The great designers are like they need a lot of experience with other games. But uh, the confession is that it my, in my case, uh, I don't have a lot of experience with uh, with all the other board games. I'm just so focused on on my game, on the project that I'm trying to bring to life, that I really don't uh, need to know about all the other games. I somehow uh, create a relationship relationship with uh, with my project that uh, just going into the smallest bits and pieces uh, and try to come up with the the best optimal way that everything works together it's some kind mm-hmm. like a chess or um, or like like an engineering job and uh, i'm not sure if if it's clear but uh, yeah what i'm trying to say <coughs> i like board games as a medium but uh, i don't uh, connect too much about the industry and about the other board games in order yeah, to yeah. create my own like to try to to, no, to no. combine other games um, uh, bits and pieces from other games to create my own i don't think like that no i've seen it i mean i see that um one of our other kind of regular guests um emma from mr studios um she's got her own game she's got one game quirk she's got various different kind of variations of that game and she is approaching it from a purely kind of business point of view so she's kind of like um you know so she is kind of getting her product into retail she's getting it into some big retail chains she's concentrating on kind of retail distribution and everything like that well at the same time she would probably confess that she wouldn't say as herself she's too much of a of a board game and mm-hmm. I, and I, 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 I totally see where you're coming from because I do know some people that are completely again it's immersed in the hobby that they're a designer but they're kind of they're always picking up the kind of the latest game and they um they're always talking about the kind of they've got they've played this game they've played that game and I'm kind of wondering when do you get time to design <laughs> Because doing this, you know, doing the show, doing the podcast, um, I probably don't get to play as much as I do. So I'm a much more selective with what I'm doing with what I'm doing. But yeah, I think um, when you have an industry that's based as a passion project, so you've got people that get into the industry because they love being involved in the industry. Um, I think it's one of the few places where um, people are getting involved in because they love getting involved in the hobby. And yet a lot of other businesses, people get into the business because they have an idea and they have business sense to bring bring that idea to fruition. Um, I mean, you don't see, say... um, a lot of businesses, you don't see people saying, well, um, I've now got to kind of prove myself that I should be part of, <laughs> you know, I should be creating within this space. Um, 
by showing you all the other things that I do that's connected within this particular industry. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of that kind of thing. So I think, yeah, I think as time goes on, I think that we'll still see people that are very, very passionate for the hobby, but I also think that we'll see very, very successful people in the industry like yourself um, because they know how to make something successful and make it work as opposed to you know being up to their necks in the hobby that everybody is aware of who they are kind of thing if you know what i mean like uh, yeah exactly and uh, and th that's perfectly uh, what i had in mind uh, for example uh, i had a vision as uh, what i would like for the game experience to be and uh, and that vision is uh, influenced by video games, uh, by in a way Magic: The Gathering, by Dungeons and Dragons, all of the, all of the experience, but not board games. Uh, at the moment when I decided to go into into creating a Machina Arcana as a board game, I played. And that's interesting to know. Just one game, uh, and that's Arkham Horror, and I played it a couple of times, and that's it. And uh, and that was, uh, I, w I wouldn't say enough. But it just sparked my uh, uh, it's it sparked my passion in, in a certain mm -hmm. direction. So it's not about the board game. It's more like about the vision. And then board game was just a medium that I could use in order to bring that vision to life. And uh, it's going to be quite similar with the second project that I'm also working on because uh, it's again going to be. I have just a vision, uh, like an experience that I would like to give to players, and then I would use, I will gonna use whatever medium is there uh, in order to to bring that to life. So it's not gonna be like um, I'm gonna play like hundred board games and I'm I'm gonna permutate some mechanics in order to to come up with uh, like a synergy of uh, other ideas. It's more like uh, I don't want to. Hmm, it's, it's an interesting word to say, but not pollute my mind with other ideas. I will try to create something from, uh, not from nothing, but try to, uh, I, I want to try to, to create things that are, that the game is going to create for itself. It sounds strangely, but uh, in a lot of times, in a lot of occurrences, Game just presented with the best option. I didn't uh, work on that. No, I think you're right, and I also think um, I'd also be interested to see the number of people that have maybe had a good idea, but they've stopped kind of pursuing that idea because it's maybe to them it's too similar to a game that they've maybe played themselves or is already on the market. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As in, you know, you don't. There'll be a lot of people who'll be, you know, uh, I'm going to do. It's a worker placement game, and it's all about making kind of this. And then somebody will step in and say, "Well, is it just? Is this not just like Viticulture by Jamie Stegmaier?" And they'll say, "Oh yeah, that's right. It's oh, I'm so embarrassed. It's exactly like that game. Oh, I'm never going to make this exactly, game." Exactly. And they throw it. And they throw it to kind of. They throw it to one kind of one side not knowing at the time that maybe the game that they were thinking of creating was slightly better than what 
you know, viticulture was and maybe had enough different mechanics to make it different to what other games offer. And I think that's, um, you know, I think that's that's another thing is as well as having the confidence in the idea. Because as we've said, um, I've said on numerous occasions, there's so many games out there, there's so many new games uh. getting released. The release calendar for kind of like... Um, the next year is no doubt going to be absolutely jam-packed. That There's not going to be really a good time if you're going to Kickstarter to release a game on Kickstarter. You just have to have done your homework, done a hell of a lot of marketing and make sure that you, you hit the right spot at the right time. Because I think there are, there seems to be a big project coming out you know, all the time at the moment that everybody's going to be kind of Going, uh-huh, up, going up against, and I think sometimes you just have to to dive in and 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 learn from the experience, as you know, as I'm sure you did with uh, with Machina Arcana. Yeah, um, absolutely. For um, I mean, as I say, going forward, you got the next kind of game going out. You said the pledge manager um is going to be closing on Friday. If people still want to dive in and pick up like the base game um, that was available on Kickstarter, are they still able to do that? Uh, until they've got until Friday. Then, right. Right. nope, okay. nothing. <coughs> and it won't be right. possible to, to order any, any kind of... Uh, any, uh, there won't be any orders possible after the 8th. And that's also like... Uh, a lot of businessmen would just uh, nod their heads and say, "What? You have a product, and you're just closing down all the orders." But but that's it. And uh, I'm just going to create and produce in exact the orders as uh, uh, they come through on the eighth of February. Produce that, distribute mm-hmm. that, and that's it. Maybe there's going to be you're not doing not doing retail. No or retail, like nothing. Not additional copies. Nothing. I know it's interesting, and uh, I have my own reasons for it. And uh, the mm-hmm. thing is mm-hmm. that it's not about like money, about maximizing profits. Uh, it's also about uh, just having some kind of a, uh, especially for the backers, that they really are the only ones uh, who are going to be involved with the Machina Arcana and I don't see it mm-hmm. as a product I don't want it to be like a product it's uh, it, it's quite personal for me and uh, and how I communicate and uh, how the backers communicating with me it's also quite a personal relationship and uh, because of that it, it feels right that uh, that the game is just in a way reserved for people who who were there when uh, yeah. Yeah. she was like uh, bringing herself into the world. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess on the other side of it, I have seen more and more in terms of kind of how manufacturing timing and stuff works. People kind of um, having copies ready for kind of the UK Games Expo or Essenspiel, and then you know, having to deal with angry or disappointed Kickstarter backers who were still waiting on their pledges getting delivered while the retail (laughs) 
version of the game was kind of out out, out in the uh, kind of the, out in the open. And I guess you're right. If somebody's like taken the courage, you know what I mean, to say, right, okay, I'm going to give you <laughs> here, have some of my hard earned money, and you're saying, okay, well, in that, you know, in in order to to kind of pay you back, and you know, here's the game, but also in the same time, um, you're going to be. This is not going to all of a sudden turn up at retail. You're going to be the kind of like one of the few people that kind of owns this game, this experience, and is kind of kind of be unique, which is is really rather cool in some ways. And, in, this, in this kind yeah, of, you know, and it's all in my uh, perception. It's all about experience. You know, I'm here mm. to give people the best possible experience, and that's also the reason why you have the soundtrack, you have the book. <coughs> You don't need it, I mean, but but it's there. And uh, the lore, and uh, it's all about bringing the, the best possible experience and not just the gaming experience and, uh, and the experience while playing or outside of playing, but also the experience of uh, like being a backer, like uh, being there for you and that uh, to, to create some kind of personal relationship. That's brilliant. Um, what we'll do is we will um we'll obviously get the links for the backer kit and we'll make sure that that goes into the show notes, the show notes uh-huh. as, soon as, as soon as possible so that people can you know if they're you know first of all go back and check the previous <laughs> the previous episode um that you were on I think it was as I say about the end of September um if not before maybe middle of September I'll dig out the date and put it into the show notes as well if people want to keep an eye on you on the internet, where do we find you on the internet webs? Wherever you put Machina Arcana and just uh, mm-hmm. put a comment or a question, my uh, crawlers, bots, and and people, <laughs> <laughs> it all comes down to me, and I'll respond uh, in a timely manner. So Facebook, Next Twitter, BoardGameGeek, uh, but even our webpage or email, uh, Wherever I'm gonna find you if you try to find me, <laughs> sounds like a bit of a veiled threat, <laughs> but you know, well, it is in a way, like yeah, a existential, kind of like a terminator type of way. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, it's same place as usual go to the Googles, search for We're Not Wizards, and we're on Facebook and Twitter, and we've got our website, and we've got our blog, and we've got our Instagram, and we've got our um. And we've got our YouTube channel, and you can find us on all the podcast catchers, like your Stitchers and Spreakers and Acast, and you can find us on Spotify, and I believe we're on Google Podcasts now as well, because Google apparently likes us. Um, if you like us even more, there's two two things you can do. You can um, tell somebody if you like if you like what you listen to tonight, and this is the funny thing: is the conversations that we've been having over the last couple of weeks. I was expecting this to just to be <laughs> a comedy special. <laughs> but it's been quite it's been quite serious. Yeah. It's actually been quite I know. serious and thought out, which is what I didn't I don't know, it's maybe because we're both maybe not feeling a hundred percent well. I'm behaving. I'm behaving. <laughs> exactly well, yeah, exactly. Especially the pictures you've been sending me. Yeah, he, <laughs> don't want to say anything more about that. But um, so yeah, if you like what you've listened to tonight, then please go ahead and tell somebody. Just let us know. That's the one of the ways that we grow the podcast, and you know, um, continue um, 
you know, I don't know, kind of feeling my obsession and my addiction to continue this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The second thing you can do is if you do like us, then please jump onto Apple Podcasts and drop us a subscription and also consider dropping us a rating. If you do going to give us a rating or a review, don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big headed. But don't give us one star because it makes us cry. Give us something in the middle, like a five, because it's average. And we're just a little bit average. But the person who's not been average tonight is the rather fantastic, the rather wonderful, the rather getting over a heavy cold. Uh, it's not cold, it's pneumonia at this point. <laughs> I, I know that, didn't want to, I know. I'm just so grateful. I was like, we started coughing, I went, oh. Should have just told it, told him a whole dog. Yeah, Richard, really thank you for for the experience no, and, and for the thank opportunity. You thank you, thank you, it's really a pleasure. Thank you, again for, thank you again for coming on. There's only two more things to do, as usual. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards? Well, speak for yourself, Mister Richard. <laughs> <laughs> just had to finish and ruin it all, and. <laughs> And the the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Urai. Say goodbye. Bye. Pozdrav. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes. And uh, yeah, if you like a bit of Machina in your life, if you like a bit of Arcana in your life, check out the links in the show notes. Um, Because this is going to be like a once in a lifetime thing now. Um, But until the next time, Goodbye. A wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to.